I'm sorry. I only meant you're not a grenade. You're good. You took me in. You're training me so I can get packs. Leave me alone, boy. Her voice was low and wire tight. Wait, I think it's stupid to waste your life out here for some kind of punishment. I mean, maybe that guy didn't even care about that book. Maybe he won it in a poker game the night before. Maybe what he cared about was, I don't know, Peter steeled himself, being a teacher or something. At the word teacher, Bola shot her chin at him, but he didn't look away. Yeah, maybe he wanted to be a teacher. So maybe you should do that for him. But you'll never know. So I think you should go out and live your life. I'm just saying that whatever bad thing wrecked you before, you could start over like the Phoenix. And I know what you're saying. You're not wrong. But get out of here now. Leave me be. Peter started to argue, but his words withered at the sight of her sitting so still, head so high, tears now rolling down her neck. He wrapped the sorceress's controls and then climbed down from the hay bales and picked up his crutches. The silence of the barn felt enormous. Okay, okay, he said just to break it. The walk to the cabin in the dark took forever. Inside, a covered plate rested on the counter. He slumped against the doorframe, washed in guilt. Vola had made it up had made it up for him for the, from the dinner leftovers. You pick this chicken clean later tonight, you hear me? A fresh wave of guilt. She'd killed a chicken, something she didn't do often because she wanted him to have more protein. Peter shoved off from the doorframe and scooped up a, ba- a box of matches from beside the stove. He had no idea how long she'd stay out there, but when she came back, it wouldn't be to a cold, dark cabin. This much he could do for her. He lit all the lamps and then laid a fire just the way he'd seen Bola do it each night. Sitting there, watching it catch and grow, he replayed everything he'd said. It had all been true. Well, the part about the soldier maybe wanting to be a teacher had probably pushed it, but who knew? Maybe he had. No, there wasn't a single thing he hadn't meant to say nothing he regretted. A gust blew down the chimney, threatening the fragile fire. He reached for another section of newspaper. As he crumpled it, a headline caught his eye. Forces prepared to engage, area to be evacuated. He flattened the sheet and read. He studied the map unbelievingly. And then he grabbed his crutches and pegged out to the porch so fast that Francois scrambled from his nest and shot out into the night. He jammed his clothes into his pack, then looked around. The phoenix bracelet, the photo of his mother, and his mitt and ball were the only things of his in the room. He propped the bracelet on the hammock where Vola would find it, dropped the other things into the pack, and swung up into the kitchen. Vola was just quimit coming in. She hung her hat on the peg and looked over to the fire, then back at him, at his pack. He handed the sheet of newspaper to her. Vola scanned it, then looked up for an explanation. He pointed at the map. The area, they're closing off, he choked. That's only five miles from where I left packs. Are you sure? It's a big area. I'm sure. See these empty places? It's an abandoned rope mill. 
It's got all these high stone walls and it sits overlooking the river at the only place you can cross it. The rest is gorge. That's where they'll fight for the water. My friends and I used to play war at that mill. We said it was the perfect place place for an ambush. We played war. I left packs on the road leading up to it, thinking it would be... The word safe stuck in his throat. He shot up and lurched over to the pegs at the door to grab his sweatshirt. Stop. They're preparing for the battle there. Don't be crazy. It's not crazy. It's right. I know it now. Remember the cheese? You asked what kind I liked and I didn't know. My father likes cheddar, so that's what we have. Maybe I used to like something else. It's like you said, I had that forgetting who you are disorder. I didn't remember what was right and what was wrong when I left PAX, but now I do. Now I know I need to go there. I know that. All right, maybe so. But you're still on one leg, boy. It is impossible. Look at this distance. Fola sat down with the map. No, I've wasted enough time. I'm not listening anymore. Hold on. Vola lifted the paper. You come over here. See something. Peter frowned, but he swung back over. Robert Johnson, bus driver friend I've been telling you about, who's been mailing your letters? See this spot here? She tapped the top left corner of the map in the article. That town is the final stop on his route. He passes there passes through here at 10 past 11 Tuesdays and Saturday Saturdays and this is where he pulls up at the end of the night what if I put you on that bus tomorrow seems like that would save you at least 250 miles leave you about 40 to cover on your own you listening now Peter dropped his crutches and sank to the chair jelly legged with relief you'd do that for me only 40 miles? That's nothing. No, 40 miles across woods and hills on crutches is not nothing. Three days at least, I'd figure, and it'll just about kill you. But I think you can do it. So you'll stay the night now? Deal? Peter took her hand and met her gaze. Deal. Looking at Vola, her face still tear-streaked from what had happened in the barn, he knew he couldn't leave things as broken as they were, and he didn't have much time to fix them. Deal, he said again, on three conditions. Ah, so he's flipping the script, and now she has to agree to three conditions. Very nice, Mr. Peter. All right, we're going to stop there, and the next time we meet, we will pick up on chapter 23 which is Pax's chapter. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great day.